calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. I'm watching it and I'm like, well, these are straight women cosplaying and neither of them seem like they're really enjoying it. And it almost feels like they're ridiculing totally. <laughs> lesbian sex. And this doesn't. Tr- so I avoided lesbian sex for or like le- lesbian. <laughs> I didn't avoid lesbian sex. I avoided <laughs> lesbian <laughs> porn. I'm diking out. You're diking out. Let's dike out together. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that you can listen to in a secret browser if it makes you feel better. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with adult performer and queer porn producer Nikki Hartz about queer porn. Do you think there are some people who listen to the podcast on a secret browser? Like they get it straight from our website in a secret browser so nobody knows. (laughs) So that their phone. Statistically. Yeah. So their phone doesn't get a notification that's like Mm -hmm. a new episode of Diking Out's available. Okay. Anyway. Wow. uh, We have an exciting announcement. We are back in the saddle. Yep. We got a live show happening for Pride with our friends at Maker's Mark, and it's going to be June 26th. Yes, that is the same date as the Dyke March. We're going to march, and then we're going to have our show. We're going to keep marching south to Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> Even though Brooklyn Pride's a different time, we don't care. We don't play by the rules. We're no, doing our show what dykes do. at Good Judy. It is a, a gay bar in Brooklyn that has a performance space upstairs. It's going to be indoors. You have to be vaccinated to attend. There is only a very limited amount of tickets because they are limiting the capacity since we are still in a pandemic. And because of that, we're going to be releasing the tickets to our patrons first. So uh, if you are a patron of the podcast, first of all, if you're at the $20 a month level, you get uh, a free ticket to the show if you want. You'll just have to confirm. Yep. You'll just have to confirm that with us that you're coming and we'll save that ticket for you. And then after that's taken care of, 
any patron will be able to get first dibs on buying a ticket to the show in New York. And um, and then if there are still any tickets left over, which I don't think there will be, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll open it up to the public. And unfortunately, we would love to have something bigger. You know, at Stonewall, we used to have 75 people there uh, in the audience every time. And this will be a third of the size. So we'll see. It's going to be still fun. It's going to be a great time. And we're also, we, we've got we've got the bug. We've got the performance bug now. And Melody and I are definitely looking to have uh, a lot more events happening in the future. So stay tune we also speaking of patreon just recorded our patreon app for this week we talked about so much what do we talk about mel well if you want to now sign up how about that <laughs> well i will say that we go into more detail about some of the things that we might be talking about in this next segment if you want more of the deets of what we've been up to related to us being super gay, go to Patreon and listen to that episode because we're giving out the hot takes, the details, who do we the meet, recaps. what do we think of them. It's all there. Mm-hmm. And sorry if I came off harsh. I mean, I just would love for you to sign up. Okay. <laughs> Carolyn. Melody. What's the gayest thing you did this week? It is impossible to pick one thing because I was in P-Town with another queer couple during Baby Dyke Week meeting up with U-Haulers, with Diking Out listeners. That was pretty gay. But I feel like because my gayest thing uh, a month ago or so when I booked the trip was booking the trip, that anything P-Town related maybe can't count just yeah so p-town going doesn't count i did watch all of feel good in one sitting obsessed season two twice as good as season one watch it if you haven't already the lesbian bar project melody and i hosted the screening of the lesbian bar project uh, amongst queer royalty amongst the heroes of our community the bar owners of many of these bars of uh hers in alabama of as you are bar and formerly a uh, aloha we had joe and coach there uh the smallmans from hers we had the lisas from cubbyhole and henrietta hudson Uh, Leah Delaria, like so, so many people were there uh, and we got to host that and everything about that felt like the gayest thing. But, but mm-hmm. the gayest thing that I did actually had to be that there's a show called the Spec Script Show where you write a spec script. So it's an episode of an existing TV show that hasn't been written yet. But the twist, because it's a comedy show, is you have to write it about a show that you've never watched an episode of. For me, that show was Xena, Warrior Princess. How did I not know this, that you'd never seen a I've never Xena seen episode. an episode of Xena. And Sarah Kennedy, who is one of the producers of this show, uh, friend of the pod, past guest, one of my favorite humans. This was going to be her her birthday month. She got to pick who was writing the script. She knew that I haven't seen Xena because once I was writing a comedy sketch about Xena and wasn't willing to watch an episode. So I just asked Sarah for some information about 
about Xena. Uh, so, so yeah, Sarah asked me to do this, and I spent my first two days furiously writing a 25-page spec script of what I think goes on in the show Xena Warrior Princess. It's very gay, as you can imagine, and that felt like the gayest thing that I could possibly... Yeah, yeah, even gayer than being at the Lesbian Bar Project screening. Whoa. Which was the gayest thing, I'll say. Yeah. I mean, is it my gayest thing? I don't... Lots to choose from, I mean, it was was super gay, and it's really not fair that I just had the gayest week of my life and had to list off all of those things. What was the gayest thing? Was it Lesbian Bar Project? (sighs) Let me see. Yeah, Lesbian Bar Project. I was in Austin, Texas prior last week and I I did shout are you gay at two girls taking a selfie in front of a rainbow mural just so I could harass I don't them know. yeah <laughs> I hate maybe cr- they're listening now you're um, in te- you're in Texas yeah I'm yelling, in Texas. are you gay <laughs> down a city block yeah I these adorable girls they're a couple from Salt Lake City they are actually speaking of lesbian bar project uh, trying to open a lesbian bar in Salt Lake City we love to see so it so I introduced myself Amazing. I told them about diking out one of them was like oh I'd actually listen to an episode with the owner of Aloha or with the manager of Aloha. It was great because I was too intimidated. I mean, Austin, wow, amazing looking sapphics in that town. I mean, I was hanging I out with it. my more hipster friends on the east side and everyone there. It's just like a little like Williamsburg, you know, um, the looks, I mean. Um, and I hadn't really approached a lot of queers while I was there. And this was on my last morning getting a coffee, my last morning in Austin, shouting, are you gay? (laughs) And they're like, yeah. (laughs) Um, And they said they're going to check out Diking Out. So it was all, you know, a success. Thank God. What if they were like, no, (laughs) we just like rainbows. Like what? How that could have that could have gone wrong. I was gonna um, say it definitely. I would not put it past straight girls to be like, "Pretty rainbow, let's gram it." Like, you know what? This is the second time I'm realizing now of the trip that I asked someone, "Are you gay?" Because <laughs> I did it at a happy hour a few nights before in Austin, and it's only just coming back to me. I asked a girl; she was like asking me about myself. I said I'm a comedian, like I co-host this podcast, um, diking out, and she's like, "Oh, cool!" Like. She's like, oh, I got to check it out. Something like that. And I go, are you gay? (laughs) And she was not. Uh, She was on a date with a man. And she goes, no, well, uh, no, but I masturbate to women. (laughs) So I was like, so you're queer. Wow. I was like, oh, you're not gay. You're queer. Uh, I hope she listens to this episode. Speaking of (laughs) masturbating to queer porn. Well, one last thing before we get into our interview. I think our joint gayest thing was while we were hosting the Lesbian Bar Project, which you can watch online. Go to thelesbianbarproject.com. See it for free. It's a 20-minute documentary. It is uh, incredible. 
and it's uh, sponsored by the the event, and they've been a huge support for the Lesbian Bar Project is Jägermeister. And while we were hosting, we had a joke, and I said, I think Jägermeister is the only thing here that's been inside more women than Leah Delaria. Mm-hmm. And didn't realize that Leah was in the wings. Like, we knew that she was going to be there, but we thought she was going to be sitting at this one table that was reserved for her on the other side. And after I say that, all of a sudden, Leah comes out and is like, that's a lie. (laughs) That's a bald-faced lie. That's worse than a Trump lie. You fucking bitches. And I'm like, well, Melody and I... like it was so funny. We were laughing so hard, and I think that's a fun joint gayest that, moment. That for was us. that was it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> today we are diking out about queer porn with the creator of Dyke Down, which is now Gender Flux. They changed the landscape of porn and have worked to create adult content that our community can actually enjoy watching. And now you can support them on OnlyFans. You haulers, it's the one and only Nikki Hart. Let's get to it. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us to dike out this week. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time in the making. Yes, certainly has. Has been. What a bummer for us. We were so excited to come out to L.A. over a year ago and talk to you in person and do this interview. It's fun to revisit those email chains from back then. I found one that was super optimistic that was about setting up a a show in May. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be great. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That that was even like at the beginning of lockdown. Like we thought this was this is going to be three weeks, and then everyone's going to be having fun again. Anyway, enough pandemic talk. Nobody wants to talk about that. Over it, ish. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about you, okay. Nikki. Specifically, your week. Could you please tell us what is the gayest thing you did this week? Um, uh, I. I don't know if it's technically this week, the last like week and a half or so has been kind of a blur because I arrived back home after helping my longest gay, longest running gay friendship friend move across country in U-Haul. Oh, oh wow. In a U-Haul. Yeah. I don't know how much. Wow. I mean, we would have still counted it if you'd said like a Penske truck. That's pretty gay. But... <laughs> <laughs> So what was your role in the helping? Were you driving the U-Haul? Were you manual labor? Um, There was, fortunately, there wasn't a lot of stuff to move. It was primarily the drive. Yeah. My friend in true, like, dyke duo fashion doesn't even have a license. So I (laughs) did the the driving for the most part. I let them drive a little bit, but. Right. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty gay. We gated up the whole way. Yeah. Thelma and Louise style. Yeah. Gay. Did you have like a road trip soundtrack? Totally. We like, we met in high school and we're like about to turn 30 now. So it's like, uh, this like long half life friendship of like all the music. We like went through the ages. Um, track and, right. Um, yeah. We made a little video along the way. I'm going to put out a little movie about the move. So yeah, it was an experience. Awesome. I have to ask, 
Did you play emo music at all Ooh, uh, on this drive? I would, I think it's safe to say no. Like, that's probably okay. like one of the only genres that we skipped. <laughs> I just, I have to ask because when I first discovered you, you had a certain yeah. haircut. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, no doubt this is a real deal, Dyke. But um, furthermore, I was like, not only can I relate to this porn star, but also like, this is an emo chick. Like, and I just put that on you. <laughs> I like projected that all onto you. And I was like, that's my favorite. Not only clearly gay, but also emo. And you're like, no. Yeah. No, I, um, <laughs> I definitely had that look. I think it's just like, I came about in like the MySpace era when the internet right. and uh, that mm-hmm. look stuck on me far too long. <laughs> that that is such a quintessential MySpace look. Yeah, yeah, I had it. Yeah, totally. for sure, it was yeah spiky stuff. Yeah, I'm happy to say that that's reached its end. But um, surprisingly, I was never a big like emo music person, so I missed missed that yeah. part. Yeah, emo and MySpace get conflated a lot, so I'm understanding they- <laughs> what happened there. Yeah, thank you for indulging me. I was a- <laughs> Do you I remember the hair? So. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what your MySpace song was or what one of them was if you were changing it? You know, I, I guarantee you there was a time period where it was like Bikini Kill. Yeah. Yes. It gets, but yeah, that was <laughs> that. I'm sure I had a Kathleen Hanna pick in my like heroes section. Yes. Yeah. Love <laughs> it. Should we go further back? Let our listeners, if for the few who might not know, a little bit more about yourself, what your background is. Yeah. So right now, this year is my 10th year in porn, which I never thought I would say. But here we are. Yeah, I started porn when I was 19 as a young dyke. And uh, I set out to make like ethical lesbian porn. Mm-hmm. And along the way, found myself making all kinds of porn that there ever was. Um, and it's been quite the journey, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have done with my adult life. And now I'm about to be like 30. So I had an interesting twenties. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you said that you never thought you would say that. So when you went into porn, did you think of it as, Oh, I'm just going to do this for a little bit. I, that's a good question. Um, I think back then, on one hand, I, like, didn't even really think I would live that long. I thought, like, I was just going to be one of those. I was very reckless and whatever. So there's that. But um, I kind of just figured it was, like, stepping into, like, the sex industry in general, which I was like, I don't know, long term, maybe I'll become, like, a sex educator or something. I didn't really see myself, like, still actually making movies, but... um, that's what I have like learned to love the most about it. It's the, the movie making process um, rather than like the like sex ed side of things that I was really into in the beginning. Did you grow up in L.A. or did you set out there around 19? Um, I actually was born and raised in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. I spent like the first 15 years or so of my life there. And then um, my parents and I made a a trip out in my early teens. I was about 15 or so. And like shortly after, like our whole little like family life, like crumbled. 
and my parents got divorced and we thought maybe, I think there was like talks of us all moving out there, but um, it kind of ended up just being me. And I went out there on my own um, and I bounced around all over the country a lot until I was like 19 or so. And then I like got into porn and made the like full-time move to LA. Gotcha. Wow. So 15, you went out to California by yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. I pretty much left home at 15. Um, I was in bands at the time. I had no intention of getting into porn at 15, obviously. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I guess I kind of always thought it would be music at that point. Um, yeah. So that was kind of my direction there. I thought I would be like in bands and maybe like a tattoo artist or something. Yeah. But when I turned 18, um, I was living in a punk house at the time. And um, it was like an all women's like feminist punk house. And they started doing queer porn screenings. And so I discovered the world of like feminist porn. The dream. Wow. Yeah, that sounds that like sounds like a, a good time all around. Yeah. <laughs> it was a. Uh, very influential. I went from being in like the like boy part of the punk scene, like with all my my dudes, and then I found like the girl punks and the like women's studies majors. <laughs> um, yeah. So we we had these screenings at our house where they would literally just like project it onto the side of the house and invite the other punk houses over. Um, and they were screening stuff like Crash Pad and um, stuff like that with all these like. San Francisco, like indie dyke porn companies. And when I saw that that existed, I was like, not really seeing anyone exactly like myself, all kinds of queers, but I didn't see like, like a young, like androgynous lesbian in the mix. Right. And so I was like, I could probably do that. And that's literally what I did. And we're glad you did. Yeah. That's a lot of business savvy there. <laughs> being yeah. like, there. I was like drunk. <laughs> There's a gap in the marketplace. <laughs> I was a shit show, but I was like, hmm, I just feel like that's doable. I don't know. Do you remember the first time that you saw lesbian porn? Good question. I'm surprised no one's asked me that. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, damn, I don't think so. I remember the first time I watched porn, which was 2006 era, I want to and yeah. it was like the softcore on HBO at night. It was when like right. Pirates was yeah. like the thing back then. It was like Evan Stone was the guy that like was burned into my brain, like the long haired, like <laughs> Fabio looking generic guy. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's like my first memories of porn. It was like sneaking watching that like late at night on HBO. That's interesting because broadband was kind of popular then. So I guess I would have assumed that it would have been online, but I know for me, it, it was also that like late night Cinemax or Skinemax, yeah. right. And seeing that and being like, wait, what is happening here? What kind of program is this? Yeah. It's weird. I kind of never went to the internet for porn as a teenager I think I was too paranoid about like my parents seeing um, right yeah I I read like fan fiction as a teenager but it was all like tv and eventually I obsessively would try to sneak into the porn store in town <laughs> yeah and um so it was like dvds 
but yeah, I missed out on like early teenage internet porn, oddly enough. <sighs> That's probably yeah, for the better. I, I mean, that. what it was the Wild West. Like, I would go to my family computer, <laughs> the the one gateway yeah. 2000 um and the computer room yeah yeah to the computer room and just like almost whiplash checking over my shoulder and i didn't want anyone to see that i was looking at porn so what i did is found my dad's cached porn on the internet so it was like i had to look at what my dad looked at so no one would be like well like if my dad ever found out my mom never would she didn't have the savvy like my dad could be like oh no no that is the blonde secretary I was watching. Oh my god! <laughs> Disgusting. Well, yeah, just yeah, like father, like daughter. Yeah, a little um, disturbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do love that you noticed no one looked like you because we were all noticing no one looked like you when we were looking for porn. I remember you right. and Lily Cade were the only people that I was like, oh. Like, oh, my right. God, <laughs> one of us. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the thing. Like, And I saw that as well. Um, when I first started reaching out to companies, like, it's so funny that you say, well, okay, that, like, shows me, that tells me so much. Um, about the time <laughs> period, because, like, it's true. Like, I, when I started reaching out to companies, I didn't know who to turn to other than these, like, queer companies I was looking at. But I was like, that's only, like, a couple companies. Like, if I want to really do this, who else is there? And I found Lily Kate very quickly. And uh, mm-hmm. that was actually the first or second person to hire me ever. Not a, not a good time. Not a good <laughs> That's, like, one porn. That's, like, the only person porn I would openly talk shit about. I think I... I think I... Yeah, I realized as I was saying, I don't know anything about the biz or the drama or just like how anyone is connected to each other. And I was like, I, I could be throwing a yeah. bomb. <laughs> like, what, what makes it a bad experience? Um, well, it's yeah, it's so funny. I like instantly go into like shit talking. It's just like comedians are the same way. Yeah, yeah, we're comedians. <laughs> um, Constant. Well, at the time, Lily Cade, this person was like the only L.A based porn person that advertised themselves as a lesbian so that's why i found her she was kind of like i guess just like monopolizing on the fact that she was the only one at the time mm, and, yeah um, yeah i remember it was like a her brand was like porns only like goldfish or goldfish <laughs> gold star <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah being like a practical infant at the time like just went into it assuming like oh like a lesbian like she's probably great and ethical and whatever and she just turned out to be the epitome of like shady like monopolizing uh predator dyke <laughs> it was just the word. Right. Oh, yeah um but eventually she you know like you know back then um there just wasn't a lot of like performers speaking out about like the ethical stuff going on or the lack thereof rather during the production of porn and shitty shit happened a lot and it was just kind of like agreed upon not to like out people and talk about it and I just kind of came in and like was not down for that style (laughs) Um, right yeah so that's just kind of one of the first people that I encountered that was just like I expected good things having faith in a fellow gay and was Mm -hmm. very quickly learned otherwise and Fortunately, she kind of had to kick rocks because she sucked. And people, people now, over the 10 years, like people are more down to recognize when people are abusers and predators. Yeah. 
Wow, a, a lot of parallels to comedy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's this gatekeeping, or it was so hard for so long for women that the women who were first getting successful, some of them were obviously super nice and, and awesome, but some of them felt like, you know, there's only one woman allowed on, on the bill and it has to be me and I'm not going to share my opportunities or bring other people up with me. And they get kind of cagey because they had a deal with all this bullshit and trauma and abuse to get to where they were. And they're like, I earned a damn it. Nobody else is taking this from me. But that doesn't excuse it. So glad that you got out of that. Uh, (laughs) Did it all kind of coincide with Me Too era? Yes. And oddly, I feel like the connections between the two weren't like made publicly enough at the same time, if that makes sense. Right. Everything was kept very quiet and born until like a lot more recently it's been the last like couple years that people in porn or at least amongst the industry like talking about getting rid of people that are not good to other people on set and whatnot right right i remember i recently saw i forget who but a porn star had a podcast and i remember having that thought i'm like oh this is yeah, more and more porn stars should have podcasts and tell their stories and there's just going to be a lot more transparency and that's ultimately good. We need to hear porn stars too. Yeah, I right? think that's really important. Like the the industry has changed so much in so many different ways, obviously as any industry would over 10 years, but a huge part of that is just like the performers actually having voices and that kind of started with, I mean... OnlyFans is pretty much the big change, I would say. Yeah, that seems like a huge game changer because now you have so much more agency and and control and... Yeah, it's like for so long, all of the control was held by the studios and the agencies that um, the performers are with, just kind of deciding who gets booked based off of whatever their creepy criteria may be. And all of us were kind of held at their mercy because they dish the money out and OnlyFans and there were, I feel bad just going to OnlyFans because there were so many other platforms doing it before them, but that's really the one that like blew up putting the power into the performer's hands to say like, okay, the money goes straight from the paying customer to you rather than through those studios. That's changed everybody's life immensely. Yeah. And we only work with genuinely who we want to work with. Right. So yeah, it's been like life altering over the last couple of years. And also in terms of making money, because, and I know that we've talked to people before that say, you know, OnlyFans can feel really saturated. And if you're not a well-known name, it can be hard to kind of break through and get traction. But I've always wondered why and how so much porn is free. And I say this as somebody who regularly performs for no money. Uh, <laughs> so like I do get it and I guess looking at what kind of happened to the the music industry and what the internet did for that, but for some reason it just never made sense to me that there's so much free porn out there because I'm like, how are people making money because if you're going to be paid for anything, it should be for this. Yeah. Yeah, um Well, a huge part of that was definitely solved really recently. The whole thing is mostly like Pornhub is the most mainstream name, but tube sites in general are kind of the source of this. It's people not paying for porn. There's a huge change made with like the laws or the rules there with Pornhub where 
only verified producers can put content on Pornhub now, where in the past you could literally be anybody and upload anything. And that's not the case anymore. So that's made a huge difference. They removed like, I think like 11 million or millions of videos recently. Beyond that, there's also been kind of a lot of, at least amongst people who are like big time porn consumers, rather than just like the person that like will go log on and just like watch a porn video and log off. Like people that are like really going to be spending money on porn in the first place. There's been so much advocacy for the idea to pay for your porn. And if you have any interest in a single performer, it's so easy to connect now with them on social media and kind of build these relationships and you're kind of seeing more now that people in porn are people. And so I think that that has helped people want to pay for it. (laughs) It's like slightly moral, slightly technical changes, but it's all improved a lot over the years. I was thinking like in the past, it seems like the mentality around it when you talk about people ignoring, you know, what about the Me Too and the abuse stuff that's happening in porn? It's almost like sweatshops overseas. It's like, I really like these Nikes. I don't want to think about how they're made. I know it's probably not great, but I can like move past it and compartmentalize. And I think a lot of people did that for porn. Like, I don't think anybody assumes that this is like the, uh, the pinnacle of HR. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But then people have so much shame tied to it, like more shame than they would to like being a Nike wearer, you know? So it's like, it widens that gap. I feel like of people not wanting to pay because they don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want a credit card statement, like saying it and like having to explain something. No one talks about sex or masturbating or anything. So it makes it feel even worse to me as an outsider. I don't know. (laughs) I, I definitely agree with all of that. It's like, I think there are so many things tied into it with people and paying for their porn. Um, also not to mention the fact that it all used to kind of, um, back before the content was in the hands of the creators as much as it is now, a lot of it too was like all these weird websites, like wanting you to join and that's how you would have to support porn. And it's like, it oh, like yeah. that anymore kind of helps. You're talking about like, a like a bang bus. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Oh my God. These oh my God. Studio, all these studios websites that are like you join and then you're tied to them forever it's impossible right it's like so many different things have funneled into just this like currently like decent era that we're in <laughs> uh, right i was literally talking with my therapist earlier today about how right now things are like the power's being passed into our hands like we're all making good money like all of us um, like amongst the community we're all just like borderline like walking on eggshells like waiting for the other shoe to drop <laughs> we're so used right. to such bullshit it's like this feels like too good to be true Knock on wood. <laughs> um, right. so yeah that's it's uh it's a happy story right now <laughs> yeah you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. 
Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Do you this is, do you like porn? <laughs> I just realized I did I knew what I wanted to ask, but didn't know how to phrase it, and it would have come out that dumb if I hadn't stopped. And then I just said it anyways. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> Cause like, okay, so I obviously love comedy, grew up loving it, watching it, wanting to do it. And then I started doing it. And then it was all I saw and consumed. I was at shows every night. And then it got to the point where it was like, I don't want to watch a fucking comedy. Like I'll watch a cult documentary. Like I don't want to watch even a sitcom jokes. Like I can't, I get, it's like, it's oversaturated sometimes. So I didn't know yes. what your relationship to porn as a consumer was. Um, that's yes. Okay. So I feel like as a consumer, um, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) I'm totally comfortable talking about it. I'm just trying to focus in on one thing. I mean, as a consumer, I kind of suck and I used to care so much. Like you're saying about comedy. Like when I first started, I was like actively seeking out like this ethical porn to like be interested in it. And like, going to screenings and like was a fan and wanted to produce it and all these things. And now after everything, like I kind of feel genuinely kind of over it about all of it. Like I'm still like the sex stuff. I'm still like super passionate about making movies. Like I said earlier, but when it comes to like the sexual aspect of it, I'm like pretty burnt out. So when I'm consuming porn now, it's like super lazily, tube site amateur no one ever has seen and it's like shitty as yeah. possible right least amount of time spent on it like cool <laughs> um, yeah yeah that makes sense you get a little like jaded on something you're consumed with for a yeah. decade and... yeah i mean is it that you know when you watch porn that's more produced uh, because you also make it and you know how the proverbial sausage gets made. You're just like, it's like to, to in your head. You're, you're like, oh, I can see. I know what's going on here. Continuity I, know what, what yeah. <laughs> I mean, just even like if I'm going to go to like Pornhub and scroll, like the more pages I scroll through, like the more people I'm going to see that I'm like, oh, that crazy day happened with them. And then like, oh, I hate that guy. And then 
Oh, right. Well, it is so much like comedy. I hate that location. Like, it's fucking. Yeah. yeah. Nothing like a shitty coworker to take you out of the mood. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's so fucked up. Uh, You're like, God, Brian again? <laughs> literally. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's rough. I, I am newly on testosterone. Oh, which cool. is interesting um, because I feel like my interest in sex and libido has like a new bit of a charge. But fortunately, I feel like at this time in my life, I'm like able to just like use my mind and like not make it about porn, which is it's been interesting. Right. I'm kind of just like. Whoa. I was going to ask about you rebranded Dyke Down to Gender Flex. Yeah. And does this have to do with your own journey with gender or? Um, yeah, it's kind of like coincides with myself and just the, like the type of content that I'm inspired to be shooting. When I started Dyke Down, I had this sudden opportunity to have a website made basically. And I came up with the name Dyke Down and I was newly like kind of in, like just kind of newly introduced to just producing my own content by my own free will. And I was super inspired by this like Dyke Down vision. And um, so I ran with that for like a couple years. And I think it was just like, I had been used to so many years of conforming to this kind of like heteronormative porn persona uh, that mm-hmm. I was like, Dyke Down was like edgy for me at the time. Right. I mean, we're a podcast called Diking Out and it, <laughs> it, it's it. just like this very aggressive, but it's like, you know what you're getting. Okay. Exactly. We're diking out. Exactly. <laughs> this is dyke down porn. None yeah. of this bullshit. It's, heteronorm shit. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was great at the time, but it just kind of pigeon pulled me. And yeah. I started kind of realizing like that I don't have to conform my entire like personal identity to the porn industry and I can kind of do my own thing finally. And so I was like, well, if we're being honest, that would be to like be non-binary and be on testosterone, get top surgery, just like do my own thing and like not consider porn. And then I just kind of also was like, shit, I'm not super inspired to shoot this like all dyke all the time stuff right so um I started wanting to shoot like trans performers and branch out and it's like what am I booking you for take down and they're like but I'm not a dyke I don't want to be on a site called take down and it was just like a whole thing so I was like right right here we go. <laughs> so many parallels for such uh, yeah. different things that we do. But yeah, we get people who are like, are, we'll talk to an agent. It's like, well, have you had trans men on your show before? You're called Diking Out. And this right. person, I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, we'll talk to anybody. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, but you guys know the struggle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and it, it maps on too to the the changes we're seeing in the queer community as as a whole. So that's cool that you can kind of explore and, and adapt to that. Yeah. I like my queer slash lesbian like come up was in a time where like lesbians were very much like a sectored group and like there was a lot of like hate against like or I'm sorry, against like bi girls coming into the lesbian community. It was just like that right. like really um gatekeeping and uh for sure what is that like the late aughts early 2010s yeah yeah 
really felt that. Like I was like, I'm, I'm a lesbian. But like later in life, in my mid twenties, like I'm bi. But I really didn't. I just wanted to be with them, exactly. and I didn't want to like have to deal. I right. think subconsciously with a lot of the gatekeeping. Right. And well, and especially in shows like The L Word. Right. Right off the the bat. Out. Like yeah, I watched that. It came out. Like exactly, same. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was so biphobic, and and it made you feel like, well, you know, a- Alice gets ridiculed for being a bisexual, and then her bisexuality is erased, right. and, and then she's one of the most biphobic characters <laughs> as the bisexual one, precisely. And mm-hmm. in high school, I was like coming out into like being a baby Shane. I completely sucked. Everybody I hung out with was like very much. In that zone. So going from that into like the very hetero porn community, when I intended on just like venturing into queer porn, right? Like I very quickly slid straight into like doing the mainstream like lesbian stuff, which is made all completely by straight people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's just, I was always just kind of sticking to that like lesbian identity because that was kind of like where I could get away, what I could get away with, I guess. Right. Um, but again, now that it's like, I don't really have to worry about all that, it's changed the game. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's parallel with society, I think, with the queer community. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that idea that lesbian porn was made for so long or or at least the stuff that most people have access to you know you're talking about like I I wish I had been exposed to these queer porn screenings when I was younger but any lesbian porn I saw was to me not attractive I'm watching it and I'm like well these are straight women cosplaying and neither of them seem like they're really enjoying it and it almost feels like they're ridiculing (laughs) Totally. Lesbian sex. And this doesn't. Tra- so I avoided lesbian sex for or like le- lesbian. <laughs> I didn't avoid lesbian sex. I avoided <laughs> lesbian <laughs> porn um, and, and kind of porn porn in general because of this feeling like it's not for me. And it wasn't until hosting this podcast that we actually <laughs> have had many listeners reach out and say, you have to have Nikki Hartz on. Oh on the podcast yeah and i'm like who is this person <laughs> and i was like oh trust me i know <laughs> <laughs> well thank you i'm uh, glad my uh teenage uh scheme worked <laughs> yeah yeah because it was a response to listeners hearing me talk about how like oh i don't watch lesbian porn i just don't find it relatable it's just straight girls sucking on dildos <laughs> and you know with impossibly long press-ons and i i don't see myself in it not that i want need to see myself in porn but it, i i have to you need to feel like the people are enjoying it and that that it feels somewhat real to yeah to your experience it's still for me kind of like a really hard to describe thing what right that like i was seeing in like mainstream porn back then but just very much obviously people that aren't enjoying it i guess is what it comes down to right and so and some people do enjoy that some lesbians do enjoy that kind of lesbian porn that that i kind where they wave on the clit (laughs) yeah (laughs) The, the car wash. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess I was like kind of naive to what I would be getting myself 
into, I very much didn't realize how bad it was because again, I was like really inspired by all this queer stuff and like hadn't really explored too much mainstream porn at all. Right. It was just that, like when I started doing porn, I was like, well, I can't like financially at all survive just on ethical stuff. I have to like slide into mainstream porn. And when I made that leap, I didn't realize what a gap there was in how things were made. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it was very much a lot of like me going into things where it's like the positions and everything are directed like minute by minute by a male director and a girl that like either would be working with another like straight girl, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Straight in quotes. Yeah. Um, and like you said, like they're like cosplaying or I would be working with another girl who would rather work with the straight girl because then it's not like this lesbian that might actually be into it. Cause that's creepy. Yeah. Like, oh no. Like I don't want to be working with all these girls that are like creeped out by me and don't want to work with me. So like early uh, porn career working with the like very heteronormative porn community was strange. <laughs> interesting. I'm sure it affected my sexual development in all sorts of ways. <laughs> but, yeah. I imagine that there's a lot of pressure, especially when you're starting out, to say yes to a lot of things, because if you don't, somebody else will. And it's probably the ramp to, to making money. Yeah, is... I mean, it's it's a slippery slope to making money. I mean, back yeah. then it's like, and especially for me, like having, I had short hair, I had tattoos that weren't very good. That's when like tattoos made like a huge difference on your bookings. It had to be a tattoo role for you to get it. And I was only wow. shoot with girls. I was girl, girl only. So I was eligible for like 3% of all porn bookings in Los Angeles. So I quickly was like, okay, well, I've had sex with men. I guess I'll be straight for pay. <laughs> And then just kind of, it went from there. But yeah, it's slim pickings back then if you wanted to stick to your yeah. guns. I never thought about that with the tattoos because that seems like something um, for like a corporate job. They're right. like, oh no, tattoos are going to be a problem. Yeah, who knew? And here, yeah, here it's like, okay, this girl uh looks barely legal and like she might choke at any second that's fine this tattoo though we're gonna need to like it's a no-go sorry yeah, it was it was really wild like, <laughs> i literally when i first started i signed up with an agency that i did no research on it was just the only agency i could get with, and signed up with them and i like walked into the office where i was told i was walking in to like hear about all this work they'd have lined up for me in reality, it was me walking into, like, them saying, like, okay, like, you need to grow your hair out at least, like, two more inches, then we can get extensions in there, and here's the place you can go get this tattoo and this tattoo lasered off, um, like, all this shit, and then we will book you work. Wow. <laughs> it's just, like... And then we will see if we can book, like, right. they're going to work yeah. on booking you, so yeah. it's just... Oh, right. Wow. Um, Did you get tattoos removed? Okay. Didn't I didn't do any of the things that they asked me to do. <laughs> I'm trying to picture you with extensions right now. It's I not cannot. happening. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, no, I decided to like figure it out. Otherwise that agency relationship didn't last very long. How common is a female agent? 
probably less so then, but like it was it's few. Do you see him? Um there's like two out of ten, maybe. But okay. very much an evil lady. Yeah. And just thinking like, oh, like the women in the industry have to be nice. <laughs> nah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, no. No. You mentioned before with OnlyFans having a, a more direct relationship with your fans now. What is your relationship with your fans like? I always say that I am really fortunate to have really nice fans. Um, like my wife, for example, is also a performer. She has like primarily like cis male fans that are like really mean. <laughs> just say like nasty mm. I guess I shouldn't say mean, but just like awful generally. And I'm just like really fortunate to have like a really kind queer based following. So I have a hard time like in general, like directly communicating with fans because I am like pretty awkward and like I don't have that like having this like egotistical like I, I don't like having like people like look up to me like does that make sense I don't know how to oh yeah I, yeah, like, I don't yeah. see myself as like anything so people like communicating with fans when they're like oh my god I'm so into whatever I'm just like oh, I don't know <laughs> um, it can be a lot of pressure too to feel like you have to live up to whatever expectations that they're placing on you when they don't even know you right I mean I'm like literally like a, a sex persona and right. typically a role that's very like dominant and sexual and whatever and I'm like so not <laughs> yeah it's just it's weird but either way I do still like appreciate them very much and I try to provide a lot of like really honest open content I just definitely struggle with like personal direct interaction like back when it's it's all been like closed it's been crazy the past year not having like porn events like all the right all the conventions and because that was like anxiety central for me like having like any kind of signings and stuff over the years, I would always pretty much just get like blacked out <laughs> like, uh, in a yeah. booth with friends. Um, but like, yeah, I always struggled with that a lot. I'm just like super awkward. <laughs> yeah, well, now now we all are after this year and a half. Yeah, so that's good. How important are the AVN awards to you in your orbit? Well, I don't know a lot has changed over the past three years, especially for me. Like I used to care a whole lot. I used to like participate in all that and kind of roll with a crew that cared a lot. And I kind of changed up my like social focus in the industry, not participating in like the, the mainstream stuff as much anymore. So I kind of actively also was like with my company, I'm not going to like target or at least I'm not making anything with them in mind. I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I've kind of just like removed all of that pressure from myself to like participate in like the industry competition type shit. I'm like focused on like my audience, which is different than the people that focus on that stuff. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, sorry, but, I was just like comparing it even more to comedy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> fuck the industry yeah. do your own thing you don't need to go to just for laughs festival <laughs> um i can only be like um yeah i however i mean i did spend the last 10 years every year going to abn 
skateboards right. and doing the conventional weekend. And it is, it was like a fucking freaky family reunion. Yeah, <laughs> seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean, you're literally like trapping a thousand people who get paid to have sex with each other in a hotel for a week. Right. And then, like, in the convention floor with all the fans who who get too close to you, it feels like. Too close. Um, There's, I think, on Showtime or something, there's a series on the AVN Awards. And I had to turn it off. I was getting so anxious at, like, super fans coming up to, like, Lena Paul or just, like, these dudes just, like, getting real close. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I'd be able to handle an environment like that. It's really intense. It's really mm-hmm. fucking intense. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Do you feel like being away from that with quarantine and everything that you have a better sense of like, maybe I don't have to do that anymore? Yeah, I kind of started to lean that way, like right before I kind of started to distance myself from like that friend group and everything and just kind of realized like all of this. It reminds me a lot of like high school, I guess. And after mm. like 10 years of participating, I just realized like, I'm, I'm good. (laughs) I don't think the success of my porn company for queer people depends on me fucking worrying about any of this. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's definitely the great thing about, you know, sometimes I'm like, I hate social media so much and I hate all of the, the pressure that it puts on people and at the same time, it's such a great way of giving power to individuals who had to go through so many different channels before. And now that you have the following that you have, it enables you to say no to a lot more. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, we were talking about before, it was like so much was at mercy of other people and just had to like grow through it and form of career and it is very nice and I feel very privileged to finally be where I am at and be able to say no to like what I don't want to be doing so yeah it's great (laughs) it's a relief what are some things that you see in porn that are like pet peeves Mm. so many things I mean um I guess specifically in in queer porn yeah yeah or queer yes it's much easier to point out stuff in like lesbian porn. I think one thing that is leaned on a lot now, like for the mainstream companies that are making lesbian porn, where it's just like cosplaying girls getting together. Like a lot of the girls that are really popular in porn now are popular because they're really down to just be like, as like nasty as possible, like gaping and anal and shooting things out of your butt. And like, Bring everyone with squirt and all this like the top performers are like people that have done a lot of that and so like the top performers are the ones that get booked for the biggest scenes and I feel like where they go with lesbian porn now to keep it interesting for like male audiences just all of the like nastiest stuff possible it used to be like mm. people would be really pet peeved by like scissoring it's like oh right that's not really all we do but now it's like they just have them like drink fucking a six pack of Pedialyte before the scene and just like spray each other down with like watered up this and spit in each other's mouths a bunch. It's really annoying because then they're perpetuating the narrative that squirt is pee and right. they're really not helping us out with that. It's really annoying. 
really annoying. Um, when I first started, like they didn't, they weren't doing that yet. The like PDLA P squirt thing. Um, PDLA, I had no idea. Yeah, that's specifically PDLA. Yeah, if you're seeing like any porn that's been made in the past like five years that's advertised as a squirt scene, and it's like all those like big name porn girls where they're spraying crazy amounts it's hydro tabs which like cause you to not lose any of your water and then like drinking a bunch of pdla and it's just like everybody chugs and then like seven minutes for it to go through and then they say action and everybody just fucking sprays (laughs) wow okay yeah when i I first started it was like that's the first squirting scene you had to be a squirter like straight up yeah. But yeah. Back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be a natch squirter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a squirter, I, I just thinking back on exes, I'm like, they were definitely influenced by the Pedialyte because they would like expect it to continue to go or something. And it's like, <laughs> you just have to wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they expected, but it's, yeah, they thought there was a hydro tab and seven Pedialytes. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. (laughs) Oh, man. When you were performing more, did you have, like, a pump-up playlist? Like, anything you would do to get yourself... Yeah, the routine. Yeah. I wish, when I was, like, actively being hired to perform a lot back in the day, I was, like, living out my, like, wannabe Motley Crue lifestyle in L.A. And, like, just, like, raging... Yeah. And so I feel like I was just this, like, I was looked at, like, back then I had, like, a good, um, a good reputation in the industry. Like, people, like, directors and stuff, like, liked me and I showed up, but I was totally, like, waking up as late as possible, super hungover, getting McDonald's on the way and, like, showing up with, like, my backpack with, like, three girly panty options. And, like, I was just kind of, like a shit show from the inside out, but having like a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now everything's different and <laughs> I like am spoiled and it's my own set and I like don't perform that option often, but when I do, it's um, like with somebody I want and I like write the whole scene based on how I want it to go. So that's a different, uh, but <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Much different than it used to be, but I should have a playlist. I don't, <laughs> keep us posted I will. what's a category of porn that you think queer women would be more into if they gave it a chance what are we sleeping on probably gay male porn yeah mm-hmm. we've heard i'm this. already onto it yeah we've heard lesbians and it's not just from the kids are all right movie <laughs> where julianne moore and annette benning watch gay male porn <laughs> i this is so embarrassing, but I will admit that that's what made me check it out. And I was like, the logic, it pans out. It <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I don't, I've heard it, um, a lot of the times over the years, but I feel like if we're talking specifically about like lesbians, I've heard so many times that like, that's like a secret. They don't want to admit it. Guilty pleasure thing. And I'm just like, well, that's silly. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I feel like that's a pro tip. You should check it out if you haven't, because it can be cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, the the secret for me is that it took a terrible movie called The Kids Are All Right for me to, <laughs> yeah. to think of doing Either it. Either way, whatever gets you there. All right. 
Thanks, um, Annette Benning. <laughs> do you have any favorite performers hmm. that are currently working right now? Yes. Somebody who I just shot for the last two things on Gender Flux. It's a friend of mine named Chris Scott. I met Chris when I used to be a director for like a shitty lesbian company. And um, they, her agent brought her in on a go-see and they told us that I needed to shoot her. And we became friends and she was like this little like baby like baby porn girl that was an experience, but like we became friends and we've remained friends over the years. And, um, now, well, in the meantime, Chris got super successful, um, became like a really successful, uh, performer, won a bunch of ABNs, like did the whole thing. But over the last like year or so, especially since quarantine, Chris is kind of like, found themselves and came out as non-binary and like nice fell out of the conforming to porn's bullshit routine. Right. Um and so like I think that's just like really cool. And so nice. they're like presenting a lot differently now, like I don't know, working with people in a more conscious way, picking performers that they only want to shoot with, even after like having all of the like porn powers one could really want, like was like working with the like top directors, if you will, like whatever, um, but chose to just kind of like be themselves. So I was like, fuck yeah, come work for my company a bunch. Cause that's what we're all about. So shout out to Chris. But other than that, also like my wife. Yes. <laughs> of course. Um, I feel like we managed to not break her up. Much in this podcast, she, I know Lee Raven. Yeah, Lee. She's got a boob job, so she's about to be making all kinds of new uh, big titty porn. So <laughs> she's great. Nice. But yeah, and then my site. I'm just really into finding these like young, passionate, like kind of indie queer content creators that have like really cool vibes and like creative input and like a real desire to be making like cool shit so i'm scrolling through the site right now and yeah everyone looks very cool (laughs) and then the person i stopped on and was like well they seem very cool is chris scott (laughs) so that makes sense (laughs) the person i gravitated towards if you look at chris's like first scene on the site extensions like cool like porno yeah wow there's like a transformation <laughs> cool to watch. I think I'll always now after this conversation just gravitate towards people's more recent work because it seems like everyone's going on this sort of journey and not completely. I mean, it's humble beginnings, I know, but it seems like the more recent, the better. Yeah, for I, especially for porn. The work. Like even the people that are like really popular in mainstream porn right now, it's kind of over the past year, just like finally become like really not cool to be like shitty to trans people. Like when it used to be totally cool. And yeah, um, those top performers are like shooting with queer people now when like some of those same people, I remember saying like transphobic shit in the past that made me hide, but now yeah. they have to not be a piece of shit publicly. Like, all being supportive so that's like weird to see because a lot of it's bullshit but right we have to play <laughs> nice now and i'm down for it <laughs> same we love it 
Is it common for people to be married or dating within the industry? Um, yeah, usually it's not, I don't know. It's people have either been together for forever or it's just constant craziness, like flings and nonsense. I don't know. It's all over the place, but yeah, there's, it's hard for people, especially once you've been in for a long time to date outside of the industry. It's like, just yeah. truly can never like understand, I guess. And also to be able to support each other. I mean, we've been married for almost six years now. Congrats. Yeah, wow. yeah it's crazy and it's flown by. But uh, yeah, I don't think things would, I, I don't know. I have no idea where things would be if we weren't together. This has definitely been a very mutual support, like a codependent in a good way. Poor career. <laughs> Uh, nice. In your opinion, what's the best lesbian sex scene that you've seen outside of porn? So in a movie or on TV? Ooh, fuck. Lesbian sex scene in a movie. I mean, like, that's so hard. There aren't a lot of good ones. I know. You're yeah. just going to have to branch out of porn, I guess. I know. Uh, <laughs> do that. And you know that there's like, I can't even remember the name of the movie, but there's like a steamy scene with. Ruby Rose and Christina Ricci. What? Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> Furiously <laughs> Googling. I know. I get so mad when I find these things out and I don't know about it <laughs> because I've had a crush on Christina Ricci since like Casper. Same. Um, yeah. Since same. she was in a lesbian relationship with Devin Sawa in that movie. <laughs> Okay, found the scene and it'll that tab will stay. Um, okay, I'll <laughs> send that movie. I've just watched the scene on YouTube. Right, it, it's like a 2018 movie around what? the block. That's what it is. Yeah, it's an Australian drama. Yeah. So, wow, we can't be too hard on ourselves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the tip. Glad you asked, Carolyn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. What's the next big thing that you want to tackle in your career? I, I'm thinking two things come to mind. I want to make a toy. I feel like that's great. So I'm brainstorming and talking with some people about doing that. And then I also want to do like a NC-17 style, like queer feature movie. It'll be so yes. but it's like just a movie. Yes. We want you to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. So do all of our listeners. They haven't heard it yet, but I know they're on board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the goal. So I'm surprised you don't have a whole line of toys already. Yeah. I've, I've like always kind of dabbled in the toy industry on the side and I've just never put out my own. So it's got to happen. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, we mentioned that we end our episodes with a listener question, and usually we do that without our guests. We used to do it with the guests, and for this one in particular, I thought it'd be cool for you to help this listener out. Melody, do you want to read the question? Let's read the question. <clears throat> so I recently broke up with my first girlfriend. We were dating for just over a year, and I know most people say your first time with a woman is supposed to be great, but our sex life was kind of fucked up. And I'm still a little terrified that I don't know what I'm doing down there. Don't get me wrong. I am definitely attracted to women and thought my ex was the most beautiful woman. I would have had sex with her all the time if I could, but she had a lot of past trauma and not as high a sex drive as me. So we just didn't do that much exploring. 
often it just felt like she didn't want to have sex with me and that I didn't make her feel good or she didn't want me. It's really knocked my confidence and I still don't feel like I can please another woman or even know how to. Any tips or advice, please? Damn, brutal. Yeah. My first like real relationship with a girl had a similar situation where the past trauma really comes into play. And it's really hard when you're like new to sex or gay sex, especially. And it's super easy for your confidence to be knocked, I guess. And like for you to feel like it's on you. So first of all, like completely normal and super common. Cause I, Mm -hmm. in that moment, it feels like you are just like super undesirable and suck. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. Very normal. I always think I forgot how to have sex in any gap of time between partners. A little bit of that (laughs) feeling. (laughs) I've been, I now I used to not feel that way at all when I shot more. And now I'm like, every time I shoot, it's like the first time I've ever had sex. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, with that problem, I feel like when I first, and this wasn't even the only time I've experienced that it's happened to some degree in all my relationships. I feel like, like everybody deals with that. And so some degree, Um, but I feel like understanding that person's safe space is really important. Like that was something that was communicated to me for a long time and I didn't get it. And, um, I like allowed myself to keep focusing on like me and how it affected me. If you're with somebody that's experienced trauma and is having a hard time, like connecting or has like a low, seems like they have a low sex drive. Um, because of that, I feel like it's really important to communicate extra and just set like healthy expectations that like you might not be able to have this type of relationship where you're like passionately jumping into fiery sex like that you think that's like the only way to have good sex. It's like it might require more setup and communication and like planning for that person to feel safe. But overall, I feel like you'll have more and better sex to do that. Yeah, for sure. And it's also so subjective. I mean, you know, sometimes people are compatible sexually. Sometimes they're not. Right. I remember there was somebody that I was with that I didn't have like a great sexual experience with them. It was uh, early on in, in my dating. And then a couple of years later, I met the person who was currently sleeping with them. And they're like, aren't they just awesome in bed? And I'm like, no, what? Uh, what are you talking about? So like, uh, you, you never know. I'm like, well, good for her. I'm glad she found somebody who thinks that she's delivering. Yeah, that's another thing. Like a couple times I've tried to like hook up with other people. that are like, oh, no, I'm just a top. And it's like the worst. <laughs> it's like, just doesn't. Yeah. Really- <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it boils down so much to communication, too. And I feel like with with two women, especially, there's just so much thinking going on. But but with anybody, just like communicating what you want and asking and uh, figuring out how people like to be touched. I mean, regardless of gender, how people like to be touched and and knowing that is is a huge thing. So you can't like everybody's different. You can't let your experience with one person think that this is going to color all of your future experiences. Yeah. And this person says, I still don't feel like I can please other women or even know how to. You do. Just do it. Like, you'll know. (laughs) Just get in there. (laughs) Is that good advice? 
Just Just get all up in there. I mean, should we not? Oh, Nikki, now that you're here, sometimes I've heard advice. People are like, just watch porn. Mm. Would you tell this person to watch lesbian porn? Maybe that's too general. Maybe is there drink even... some Pedialyte? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Check a Pedialyte <laughs> and get ready to razzle dazzle. <laughs> I would say watch porn with caution. Uh, right, <laughs> exactly. You know, check out genderflux.com. Yeah, go. Yeah. I, mean, I was just gonna. I, I didn't want to make you uncomfortable. I was gonna be like, well, we're setting you, you up and watch Nikki Hearts. <laughs> no, <I>, right. <laughs> not but no, I mean, if you're if you're hitting the internet, I can safely say that all of my porn scenes are top priorities, making sure that people are like only doing what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's like, which it, shouldn't be a novelty. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you're blowing my mind. You, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> So I, I can't say that for everyone else. Yeah. Tight. So if yeah. you think you're a little rusty, watch ethical porn. Yeah. If you're feeling a little too nervous to jump right in. Right. Fair. So totally. Nikki, what are we plugging for you? We have genderflux.com. Yeah. Your only fans. Yeah. My only fans. It's com slash Nikki hearts. You're on Twitter, Instagram, at Nikki Hearts. Yeah, at Nikki Hearts X on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything that's coming up that you want to get some some eyes on that we should be anticipating? Or um, I mean, for my, like, I'm really pretty much just focused on the sites for right now. Um, awesome. Like I said, there should be some, like, cool, like, feature type stuff coming soon-ish but either way every week we have a new release so oh cool great we'll stay tuned (laughs) keeping it fresh thank you so much nikki yeah nikki this has been great thank you so much Okay, so if you have a question, you can send it into dykingout at gmail.com. Remember, if you're a patron, your question goes to the tippity top of the list. Uh, you can follow us everywhere at Diking Out. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thank you for Diking Out with us this week. Hey, we'll see you next Tuesday. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.